We welcome all of our online audience, all those who are watching online. So glad that you are watching us, and we just give you a special invitation. If you're ever in our area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. And it's one thing to watch online. It's on a whole nother level to be in the house to experience what God is doing. I can't put it into words, but you got to be here in person to see what God is doing in person. Please stop in and be our guest today. Now, we are talking about the word pursue. Let's say it together. Pursue. Come on, you can do a little stronger than that. Say pursue. There you go. When we're playing football, they say, pursue to the ball. What the coach says, pursue the ball carrier. Pursue to the ball. We had whole drills that just went on pursuit. I mean, he'd be throwing the ball over here, and he had to run after he had to pursue the ball. I think as, as Christians, we got to get into that habit of learning to pursue. Pursue. Don't get lackadaisical in our walk with God, but learning to pursue him. Last, uh, the last time I spoke two weeks ago, we did uh, an introduction to this series. I gave you four building blocks that we are pursuing this year. It starts with pursuing God first. The first chief cornerstone is always pursuing God. That's why, that's why we are, look at this building block. This is why we are continuing to pursue God because it becomes the cornerstone. We get this one right, everything else begins to fall in line. So it starts with the cornerstone of pursuing God, fasting and praying at the first of the year, setting time to put God first. And then we're talking about pursuing, making a difference. We don't want to just show up and play church. We want to show up and be the church who makes a difference in our community, in our world. We want to pursue our purpose. What is our purpose? It's to know him on a deeper level and to make him known. This is our purpose, finding our God-given identity and purpose, and then pursuing family. We are making an attempt. We're going to pursue family, pursue God's family. We're going to connect on a deeper level. We want you to connect and serve and get involved in groups on a deeper level. And then I want you to pursue not only your spiritual God family, but I also want you to pursue your immediate family. I want you to pursue your children this year. I want you to pursue your spouse this year. I want you to pursue your grandchildren this year. I want you to pursue your children. Why? Because the world is pursuing your children. How about we have some parents that say, I'm going to pursue them even more. Come on now, you need to get with me, church. We're not going to sit by and let the world go after and have our kids, but we're going to pursue them and teach them it's okay to be strong men. It's okay to be strong women of God. It's okay that God wants to use you and to identify who they are, and we're going to pursue them in our relationship. We're not going to allow the world to take them and make them and mold them into what they want. No, we're going to pursue them and let God mold them into strong men and women that he's calling them to be. If you're with me, say amen. All right, now today I'm going to talk to you, but first I want to give you a story about a man I read about the other day. I heard this story about this man who was in Colorado recently, and he was hiking there with his family, and he went off the trail, and he got lost, and the sun set down, and so he never showed back up to camp, and so his family got panicked and worried, and so they called in the rescue team, and the rescue team began to look for him, but they couldn't find him because it was so dark. They said the first thing, as soon as the sun comes up, we're going to have this broad search manhunt for this man, and so they had this search and rescue going on. As soon as the sun came up and they could see, they started searching for him, calling out his name, looking for him. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the search, this man walks up out of the trail, gets back on the main road, and starts walking back. They're like, hey, aren't you the guy we're looking for? He goes, yeah, it's me. They're like, where you been? Was you lost? Yeah, I was lost. 
And they couldn't find out this guy had his cell phone with him. And his cell phone was not dead. And they said, why didn't you call and ask for help? And he said, I didn't want to admit I was lost. <laughs> Just like a man. And I didn't want to admit I was lost and I needed help. And then some of them said, well, we tried to call you. Some of the sheriff's partners said, we tried to call your phone and you didn't answer. He goes, well, I didn't recognize the number. <laughs> True story. And we laugh at it because that's kind of a typical male right there. But not only that, how many know that we don't like to admit when we're lost? We don't like to admit when we, we need help. But I want to let you know something today that Jesus specialized in being with people who were lost and needed help. This was his specialty. This is where he spent a lot of his time ministering was to those that needed help the most. So today, what are we doing to follow him? What are we doing to help those who need it the most? Jesus invited people to pursue him. He invited them. Hey, drop what you're doing. Come and follow me. Come follow me. Come pursue me. He told Matthew, come and follow me. Now today, I want to talk to you about uh, Matthew's life. And we're going to talk about this thought. Pursue a greater purpose. Pursue a greater purpose. Matthew was a tax collector that Jesus called to be one of his disciples, asked him to follow him. And Matthew writes a story. So what we're reading is Matthew's account of his encounter with Jesus, his time of response, how Jesus called him to follow him, how he followed him, so we can learn. Let's look at now Matthew 9, 9. Great, I love this. Look at Matthew. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. And look what he says. He says, follow me. Let's say it together. Say, follow me. That's what Jesus said to him. Follow me and be my disciple. Jesus said to him, so Matthew got up and he followed him. The word follow here is not Simon says. This wasn't a game of Simon says, like follow me. If I leap, you leap. If I jump, you jump. If I go around this rock, you go. It wasn't what he was talking about here. When we go back and study the original intent of the Greek definition of the word follow me, what Jesus was saying was to accompany me as a disciple. Draw close to me. It actually means to be in union with. So when Jesus says to follow him, he's not mean just get behind me and just watch where I'm going. But he's saying, come up beside me. I want you to get into union with me. I want you to learn what I'm teaching you. I want you to be my disciple so you can replicate what I'm teaching you. This is how I want you to lead people. This is how I want you to reach people. This is how the Father wants to reach you and how the Father treats you and how he wants you to treat others. So we can learn a lot by Matthew, what does it mean to follow Jesus? If we're going to pursue God, then how's that look like? How do we respond? I think we look at some of these stories and we can learn a lot of what it looks like to pursue the Lord on a deeper level. We have a world today where everybody wants followers. Everybody wants followers. We live in a society that the more followers you have on social media, the more popular you are, the more uh, money you can make off of those followers. And so we have people who are specializing in creating followers. And our, our status is not what you've achieved. Our status is how many followers do you have? And we have overnight achievers making a lot of money because they figured out how to get a lot of followers. 
And then everybody else is trying to learn how to get all these followers. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong. That's the way social media is. And you can take advantage of that. Fine. But what I want to guard against is our hearts of seeing the word follower. We can look at it at a different way. If we're not careful, we can say, well, I'm a follower. And more importantly, I want followers. How many know if you can't follow Jesus closely, no one's ever going to follow you closely? You got to, first of all, you got to learn to be a follower if you want followers. And I don't want followers because I want to be great. I want followers so I can make his name great. See, the quicker we understand that, the more followers I have because I can show them the Jesus. I can lead them to Jesus. The more people God can bring into my life, the more followers I can have. And my popularity is not based on how many people are following my social media account. What is important is am I following Jesus? That becomes the most important question of your life. Am I a true follower, drawing close in union? Am I becoming a true disciple? Not, not just a follower. Not just here to check in. Listen, I've known people who show up at church, don't even stay. They just check in on social media and leave. Just to make a good, take a picture in the bathroom with a Sunday pick on and go eat brunch and don't even stay for the message. Why? Because they're more worried about what their followers think than being a true follower. I know I'm preaching to somebody who's not here today, so it's all right. Tell them, say you're safe. <laughs> they left after the worship already. <laughs> All right, let's get going. All right, today we are learning to pursue God. What does that mean? Today we are learning what it truly means to be a follower. How do we respond? So how can we do this? Number one, write this down. We've got to share God's friendship. Learn to be a sharer of God's friendship. Matthew wrote in his story about how, what his response was. See, we share what we love with the people we care about. Isn't it true? If, if I find something I like, I share it with the people I care about. If I find a show that's entertaining to me, I'm telling my friends, you got to check out this show. You got to watch this movie. You got to read this book. You got to stop and eat at this restaurant. You got to eat this dessert. You got to try this drink. You got to try this coffee. I mean, think about it. We got like all within one mile around this small community. We got, pop, we got coffee shops popping up everywhere. Some of you are faithful to Starbucks, and some of you like scooters, and some of you like crazy llama, and some of you like salty soft teas, and all these things, and you share with passion with those you love. These teas will change your life. It's just tea. It's just flavored water. It's, this coffee changed your life. You're paying five bucks. You can walk in down here at the hotel and get it for free if you just stop in. Hey, you can follow me for other instant tips, how to, how to save money on free coffee. <laughs> but we share what we're passionate about. It's a natural response, right? So when Matthew, the tax collector, was called out, he began to have a different heart. Now, first of all, you understand, the first thing Matthew does to share Jesus is the first thing he wants to do. He wants to share with his friends, his family. Matthew was a tax collector. You got to understand what this means. Now today, the quickest thing we can think of is an IRS agent, which doesn't bring favorably in our mind already. But can you imagine back then, 
He wasn't just an IRS agent. He was working for Rome. He would have been a traitor of the Jewish people because he was hired by Rome to go back and tax the, the Jewish people. And Rome said, we want this much, and you do whatever you need to do to get this much. And so he would go to you and say, Rome wants this tax. I want this for myself. And if he sends somebody else to collect it, you got to pay them as well. I mean, you talk about this racketeering scheme. People hated that they were being cheated out of their hard-earned income. And so if you were working for Rome, you were seen as a traitor. Even though you were a Jewish person, you were an outcast in society. You were not allowed to go. You were not welcome in the church. You were not welcome in the temple. You were not welcome in the synagogue. People didn't ask you to come to dinner at their house. No one wanted to associate with you. So the fact that Jesus calls this man to be his disciple is noteworthy. It can take a little bit of pressure off of you. Look at your neighbor and say, if he can call Matthew, he can call you. But what does this man do? Matthew then throws this great party. I mean, he's so excited that Jesus is changing his life that Matthew decides, the tax collector, he decides to throw this party. Let's read it now in 9:10. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home. To where? His home. Matthew, first thing he does, invites Jesus to his home as a follower. Some of you need to get Jesus in your home. Some of you got Jesus at church, but do you have Jesus at home? Come on now, you know what I'm talking about. He invites Jesus to come to his home as a dinner guest. Who else did he invite? Along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. I love it that the Bible puts it out there. Disreputable, not just reputates, not just sinners, but the disreputable. You know how bad you gotta be to be classified as that? Isn't it bad enough just to be a sinner? <laughs> Matthew's descriptive, not just sinners. I'm talking about disreputable sinners. Now, I don't know how else to explain it to you, but explain what I just explained to you about Matthew and that all the other tax collectors came and other people connected to them came. You need to know this. Jesus had dinner with the mob. This is it. And you know who hangs out with the mob? Other mafia people, prostitutes, drug dealers, hit men. I mean, they, they, they don't run around with good people, do they? I guess we could just call them disreputable, right? They were disreputable sinners. This is who Jesus goes. Matthew, who else is he going to invite? He don't have any other friends. So he invites his friends to come. And they're the worst of the worst of the community. And Jesus shows up and has dinner with them. He throws a party. He throws a notorious party with notorious sinners. The worst of the worst. And so we understand something here. Jesus teaches us the character of God. That Jesus loves messed up people. You need to understand this. Listen, I don't care how much theology you have. If you miss this point, nothing else matters. 
the most fundamental thing about my theology when it comes to the grace of God is that God can save me from anything and that I'm called this, that God has called us all to show grace. God loves messed up people. God loves people who are notorious. The most disreputable people, sinners. Jesus is eating with the mob. He loved messy people. Luke 15, 2 reemphasizes this point. Look what it says in Luke 15, 2. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man, say it together, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. I mean, if I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, if I'm going to be in union with Jesus, i got to be a person who welcomes sinners, who welcomes the most people who've blown it the most, the ones the religious society is shunning. Jesus says, I'm targeting them first. I'm going after these people. Why don't we go after these people? Well, I don't want people to think I'm a part of them. Well, I don't want people to think I'm associated with them. Listen, we already know you and you're already notorious known and you were a big partier in your day anyway. Jesus saved you from a lot anyway. It's all right. I'm telling you, Jesus wants us to reach these people. Why do we change? We try to change everybody first, don't we? Why do we try to do that? We try to change them first or we try to change ourselves first and then I'll come to church. Then we'll come in. I had people early on when we started our church, people were coming in who were notorious sinners in town. And people were like, Pastor Gene, do you know who's here? I'm like, yes, isn't that awesome? <laughs> Why? Because I didn't come to hang around with all Christians. I came to win the lost because that's what Jesus commissioned me to do. That's what he commissioned us to do. Come on, some of you have been saved so long, you forgot what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. We're the call to be what? Fishers of men. Come on now, I'm calling you to be fishers of men. He didn't expect us to clean the fish. He called us to catch the fish. Listen, catching the fish is the fun part. Cleaning the fish, it's messy. It's stinky. It's not the fun part. I would catch the fish with my dad, and I can remember us bringing in big hauls of fish over a day, and we were so excited. I couldn't wait until we had that fish fry. I couldn't wait until we ate that fish, and I love taking the pictures with the fish. I love reeling them in. I love it when we had them big enough we had to get the scale out to see how big it was. I didn't like it. My dad said, Gene, get out of here. We got to clean this mess. <laughs> we got to clean these fish, and I can smell it now as I hear the, the sound of the electric knife, cutting and flaying those things open, guts and blood. Oh, it was messy. It, the stench will last with you for a lifetime when you think about it. You can't get away from this. It's not, an, it's not a clean thing. It's a very much nasty thing to clean those fish. But why do we choose to think that's our job? It's not my job to clean the fish. It's my job to catch the fish. It's my job to throw the bait out. It's God's job to clean them. It's God's job to clean them. It's the Holy Spirit's job to clean people. Hey, leave the messy part to him and get out there and have fun. I love that. Go catch the fish and I'll take care of the mess is what God says. It's our part. Let the Holy Spirit clean them. 
We, we try to clean them up or we try to clean ourselves up first. And that's not the, what Jesus said. He said, I'm making you fishers of men. We got to learn to catch the fish. That's the, I love catching fish. I love it. Sometimes we do crazy things here at Destiny. We do things that are not orthodox. Why? Because we're fishing for big fish. We're trying to reach big fish. I took a lot of criticism early on when we started Destiny Church because we were doing things. We were dressing differently. We were doing things differently than other people were doing it. Why? Because we were after some big fish. I wasn't trying to get fish from other tanks. I was trying to get fish that were not here yet. See, we, we love the fish. And this is what being a follower of Jesus is. We teach his word and let the Holy Spirit clean people. We bring people into the presence of God. Why? Because it cannot mix. Water and oil don't mix together. Just like sin and the presence of God don't mix together. When you got sin in your life and the presence of God's here, you will feel convicted. I had people all the time tell me one of the most common things I hear about Destiny Church when I talk to new people. They say, I may not understand everything that's going on. They never, maybe have never been into a spirit-filled church like this before, and they don't understand everything, but a lot of them say the same thing. I'm not really sure, but I know one thing. I feel the presence of God. I can feel the presence of God there. I can feel the presence of God. That's why we worship the way we do. We invite the presence to be here, tangible, because there's people here that need the presence of God, that the Holy Spirit can begin to move in their life. That's why we sing important. We love to sing all day, but we got to rightly divide the Word of God and put it out there so that people can hear and understand how to change in their life. That's what we're called to do. We bring the presence of God. We bring the word of God. Then let the Holy Spirit change them from the inside out. See, we're all on this journey, all upon this pathway. Look at, look at this pathway. It's not a straight path. It's up and down at time. It's up and down like a roller coaster. But it's, it's, a, it's a part. We, we enter onto this on-ramp of learning to discover who Jesus is. That's how, I, I'm trying to discover who Jesus is. I'm going to show up on Easter and Christmas and kind of see if I know who this guy is. People are inviting me, friends talking about him, and we start trying to discover who Jesus is. And then hopefully from that point on, when they discover who Jesus is, they'll take the step. I'm going to get to know him. I'm going to get to know more about him. And we hear the word of the Lord spoke. We get involved and we hear things about Jesus. We're learning who Jesus really is, how he changed a tax collector's life, how he changed people's lives, how he changed the woman at the well, how he changed the leopard's life, how he changed his disciples, how he changed the multitude, how he changed the Pharisees. I mean, we learn all these things about Jesus, getting to know who Jesus is. And then from getting to know who he is, then we're learning to surrender. All right, I'm going to walk with Jesus. I'm going to learn to put Jesus first in my life every day, not just on Sundays, but now I'm going to learn on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday that he wants to walk with me. He wants to talk with me. He wants to be upon my journey every part of my life. And we're learning then to surrender my life fully to Jesus. And as I begin to walk with Jesus and I grow in who he is, and then I'm like, you know what? Now it's time for me to lead like Jesus. It's time for me to serve like Jesus. It's time for me to begin to train some disciples. It's time for me to let people come to my house and experience who Jesus is. It's time for me to bring these people in and experience who Jesus really is. This is what we're all, we're all on this path somewhere. 
It's okay. I'm not saying you got to be here, but what I'm saying is this. This year, whatever level you're at, make it a go. I'm taking a step my level this year. I'm going to the next destination this year. If you're at getting to know Jesus, then this year I'm going to learn to walk with him. If you're at the walking with Jesus this year, I'm going to learn to lead like Jesus. It's a disciple. That's what he did. He trained his disciples to know him. They discovered who they was, and they got to know who they was. They walked with him. They talked with him. And they said, I'm teaching these things so that you can teach others to do the same thing. It's who Jesus is. It's what, you want to pursue Jesus in union? You want to be a disciple? This is what disciples do. This year, I want us to be intentional. Okay, Destiny? I want you to be intentional in helping people discover Jesus. This year, make it a go. I want to be intentional in helping people discover Jesus. I want you to be intentional in helping people share your story, share what Jesus has done in your life, share how you were a despicable one as well. Share how God saved you. Share your story. This year, I want you to pray radical prayers. I want you to believe God for big things in your life. I want you to get out of your comfort zone and say, you know what? I'm going to walk with Jesus like I never have before. This year, I want us to fill the house. I want you to fill your house, and I want you to fill this house, the house of the Lord. How many think we can fill both services up to stand room only by the end of this year? Do you believe that? Come on now. Come on now, do you believe we can do it, Lee? I believe we can do it. Why? Because the presence of the Lord is here. And if we'll just become followers of Jesus and share what Jesus is doing, people have to show up early to get a seat. Can you imagine that? Showing up early to get a seat in the house. Why? Because God is moving. When God is moving, people want to be in the house. People want to bring people where God's at. I want you to be intentional. We're going to fill the house. I want you to fill your house this year. Think about who can I bring into my house? Who can I share my story with this year? Who can I make a difference with this year? Who's your one? Who's your one? It starts right there. Who's your one? Are you going to make a difference in this year? Who's that coworker that nobody else wants to associate with? Who's, who's that family member that really needs Jesus this year? Who's that neighbor that really needs someone to reach out to them? Who's that coworker? Who's that, who's that fellow student at your school, your university that really needs somebody? Who's your one? Who are you going to pursue this year? I'm pursuing to be like Jesus. Well, you better bring people in. That's what they did. Matthew went from being the most despised person to bringing all the despised people to Jesus. And number two, write this down. This is my last point here today. Is we want you to remember your rescue. Remember your rescue. This is a point that I like to bring out at least once a year because it's so important that we never forget where we came from. It's important that we never forget how Jesus rescued my life. It's important that we don't forget. Look at this in Matthew 9, 11 through 13. Oh, listen, you, you got to get this. If you want to know the theology of Jesus, read it right here. He lays it out for us where we can all understand. You don't need a degree in Greek and Hebrew to understand this. But when Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Isn't that great? Kind of sounds like some of the social media posts I read from Christians every day. Fighting people on Twitter, fighting people on social media, fighting people, telling everybody else about the 
speck in their eye while they got a log stuck out. You know what I'm talking about? Why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, this is what he said. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And then he added, now go, that's you and I, go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show, come on, let's say it together. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. Wow. He's saying you can give all these sacrifices. He was saying basically you can do all these religious, yes, things to do, but you ain't showing mercy, you're missing it. If you haven't allowed mercy to be at the forefront of your walk with Jesus, you're missing it. It's by mercy we are saved, and it's by mercy we show his love. Because I want you to show mercy, first and foremost. For I have come to call not those who think they're righteous. Anybody religious in the house? Okay. Because I didn't come to call those. I come to call those who know they are sinners. Now, today, I want you to know, I know something. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And I'm no longer a sinner, but I've been saved by God's amazing grace in my life. But I remember where I came from, and I remember how big his grace was in my life. And I'm no better than the person who was out there committing the worst sins possible. Why? Because God's grace was for me, and I'm called to, to reach them. Show mercy. How are we going to reach them? Show mercy. There's people we have already wrote off. They're unsavable. These people can't be reached. Have you tried showing mercy? I'm not saying you got to agree with any kind of lifestyle or agree with any kind of sin, but I'm telling you this. Can you love them? Can you see past the sin and see the heart that Jesus died for? Remember how messed up you were. Remember how jacked up you were. Remember how addicted you were. Remember how hurt you were. Remember how you suffered abuse as well. Remember how many mistakes you made. Remember how many times you blew it. Remember how God's amazing grace came and saved your life. How God came and rescued you. Remember, this is what he wants me to do, to show mercy. Being a follower, pursuing Jesus means i got to be a person who shows mercy. If God can change me, he can change you. Come on, turn to your neighbor and tell him that. If God can change me, he can change you. So the question now we have to ask is simply this. What, what party will you throw this year? Are you going to be intentional? If you're a follower of Jesus, this is how the disciples responded. Man, I pastor, I used to, man, I used to party with the best of them. Great. Now party for Jesus. Invite them over. Show them how your life has changed. When they see you happy and you don't have to be drunk to be happy. Wait, I've never been at a party when you wasn't drunk and acting crazy. You're still acting like you got joy. Well, what is it? Let me tell you, I found a new wine. His name is Jesus. No longer do I have to drown my sorrows in an addiction. But now Jesus is healing my heart. I've never seen your marriage better. What's going on, Jesus? I've never seen you happy like this. What's going on? Jesus. Hey, listen, your, your story is going to preach. Invite people into your life. Who is it you're going to reach this year? Who, who will you invite? Who will you target? Let me just quickly remind you of this one point, though. Jesus could be found hanging out with the, 
with the best partiers, the best, most despicable people and there was. But he always changed them. They didn't change him. Okay? I don't hang out with them to change. I don't want to compromise who I am. No, I hang out with them so I can let Jesus change them. He invited Jesus to the party. That's the secret recipe. Are you inviting Jesus to the party? Are you inviting Jesus to your conversation? Are you inviting Jesus to your lunch? Are you inviting Jesus to your dinner? Are you inviting Jesus? Are you going to target? Who will you show mercy to that nobody else is showing mercy to? Who's the family member everybody else said, you're not welcome no more, that you can reach out to and love? I want to close with this story and ask you a question. Let's use a hypothetical. Let's, let's say that maybe there was a virus that was to break out. Kind of like a pandemic. I know it's really hard to imagine that, right? Let's say a pandemic broke out and there was a deadly virus that was killing people and there was no cure for the virus. And you found a hospital and a doctor who was the only one that could cure the deadly virus. And so you went in, you and your family went in, you got the healing you needed, you got the treatment you needed, and now you're no longer in danger of dying. And you had all the food you needed and all the shelter you needed, all the protection you needed was connected to the hospital. Do you go in and shut the door? And say, thank God, we're safe. Yeah, at first you do. Or do you at least hang out at the doorway, the door open, saying, hey, come in. I found help. I found a cure. You can save your life. Would you yell at those passing by? Would you try to get the attention of those you can't? Come in. Experience what I've experienced. Come in. You can receive the healing you need. Of course, we would want to tell as many people as possible. We would want to save as many as possible. Spiritually, I wonder how many of us look this way. We come to the hospital. Isn't it, someone pointed out to me earlier, isn't it amazing that a universal sign for the hospital is a cross? We found a cure, come to the cross. I found a cure, come to the cross. There, my virus is taken care of. There, I find joy. There, I found peace. There, I found mercy. My destiny is forever changed. Come, you can experience it as well. Come and see how this great physician can change your life. Come and see how you are welcome at this hospital. Come and see where you're not going to receive judgment, but you're going to receive mercy. It's our job to be a disciple. It's our job as a follower. It's to share his love. This is my greater purpose. This is what our greater purpose is. It's not just for me and my family to be saved, but it's for me to reach out, to bring others. Matthew did it. He had the worst of the worst. So I, I guess your neighbor who is just a little nosy, they're not too bad. <laughs> Invite them in. That cousin that gets on your nerves, invite them in. That coworker that doesn't wear deodorant, it's all right. Just ask God to help your nose. Invite them in. Come on, let's be serious. Let's get after. Let's get after being a true disciple and a true father. Let's pursue him like never before. His bow is. Father, we thank you. God, I thank you for your word, which teaches us what it really means to be a disciple. 
what it really means to follow you, to pursue you. We share our life. We share Jesus. We bring Jesus to our friends. We bring Jesus to those who need you the most. This is our first call of following you, showing mercy and bringing Jesus. I pray this becomes a prayer of our heart. Today, before we go any further, I just want to ask you, if you're here, say, Pastor, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. This is where it starts, right here. I'm at the discovery stage, and today I'm ready to make a step to knowing Jesus, making him my life savior. Today I know that I'm, I'm not right with God, and today I need to surrender my life, believe in the faith that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, that he was resurrected on the third day, that he died for the sins of the world. I believe that, and today I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus, put my faith in him. If that's you, can you just raise your hand, let me see. I'm ready, yeah, thank you, thank you. Anybody else want to join them? Thank you. Anybody else say, today's my day, Pastor, I'm ready. I'm ready. Thank you. We're going to say this prayer. We had hands, they went up. And so I want you, if you raised your hand, I want you to say this prayer out loud with me. As Christians around you, we'll help you as well. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I believe you are the Messiah who died on the cross for me, was resurrected on the third day. You are God's only son. And from this day forward, I will live for you and I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart today, we say welcome to the family of God. Stand on your feet this morning. As you stand up today, how many say, Pastor, I want, I want Jesus this year to move me to a different level of pursuing him. I want to learn to share this year like I've never shared before. If that's you, if this message challenged you, raise your hands. I'm being challenged today. I'm being challenged today. Yeah, come on. We can, we can do this. We can do this. We got the cure. Let's fill the house. Let's fill our house, our life. Let's fill this house with people who need Jesus. Come on, raise your hands. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for people that are saying yes to being your follower. Yes to showing mercy. Yes to filling the house. God, help us to not judge people so fast and help us to love those that other people are not loving. God, help us to invite those in who need you most. God, I pray this year that you use Destiny Church in a greater level to reach the lost, those who need you, those who are hurting, that we show your love and mercy in Jesus' name. Come on, let's make it personal.